It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I am here with Rosalind Bentley, one of our writers here at the AJC. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. It's great to have you here, and we are here to talk about Out on Film. Mm-hmm. It's an annual film festival. Yep. Um, that uh, it's been going on for a while now, right? You know, it's really surprising. You kind of think, oh, well, this film festival, oh, it can't be that old. Well, it's 32 years old now. Wow. It is 32 years old. And it has really gone from something really tiny, just a couple of nights, mm-hmm. to seven days, to now we're at 11 days. Wow. Three venues across Atlanta mm-hmm. with 126 films. Wow. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that it had been around a while, but I didn't realize 32 years. 32 years. I mean, it's changed hands a little mm-hmm. bit, but in 2008, the organization went independent mm-hmm. and has just really kind of blossomed since then right. and just really tried to expand the notion of what is an LGBTQ film. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's so many more of them being made every year it seems like exactly and you know we'll be here talking um a little bit too with the executive director of Mm -hmm. out on film jim farmer and we're going to talk a little bit about that how it has moved from this narrative of early on you know stories of hiv and aids to now we've moved to great horror films shorts comedies that just have to do with just being and living life so yeah that's great yeah it's like it it really just shows that 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 lgbtq people are just like everyone else and so they enjoy every type of genre and they're involved in everything that would be in any of those films exactly i mean and a lot of these films while you do have some straight directors Mm -hmm. um some cisgendered uh directors there is quite a mix Mm -hmm. in here this year so you will get some uh female directors male directors i'm not sure how many trans directors or screenwriters there are uh being presented this year but i will tell you uh there is a definite trans focus with some of these films which is particularly timely now right yeah that's true yeah so telling the story of 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 trans folks is as really i mean that's grown a lot in the last few years 
And so obviously the film festival is reflecting that. Absolutely, absolutely. And you will also see an effort to make sure that we have films that are really reflective of the diversity, not just of our community, but Atlanta and the South. So you will see a lot of people of color in films. And I think we may have a couple of immigrant stories in there. Mm -hmm. That may also be an area where it will continue to grow and Mm -hmm. expand as we move forward. But what we have to look at this year, it's kind of hard not to find something to watch. Yeah, yeah. That's a, there's a lot of films. That's that's a lot. There's no way anyone could watch all of those. I imagine. I'm sure you know you could give it a good try. But... Somebody will. <laughs> <laughs> so the film festival is taking place at three venues around town, and some of the films that that uh, we'll be seeing, uh, Roz has talked to um, to some of the directors mm-hmm. there. Okay, so I've talked with a couple of the directors now, and there's one film that I think is really of the moment, particularly as we talk about religious freedom bills, as we talk about bathroom laws. One of the, the film that I'm talking about is by Daniel Carslake, and it is called For They Know Not What They Do. Now, about 10, oh my goodness, time does fly. I think mm-hmm. it's 12 years now yeah. that um, he made the book, for uh, made the movie For the Bible Tells Me So, and that dealt directly with hate crimes against the LGBT community, particularly the lesbian gay community. Mm -hmm. This time, his latest film, as I said, has gotten such great um, reviews out of the Tribeca Film Festival, Mm -hmm. and that one is for They Know Not What They Do. And in some ways, it's a coming out story. Now, you might think a coming out story. We've seen coming out stories. We've heard about them. What is there new to say about a coming out story? Well, this story is actually told from the perspective of four sets of parents who are evangelical Christians, and it's not their coming out, but the coming out of their children, Mm. whether they be L, G, B, or T, Mm -hmm. and the journey that the parents had to take toward acceptance or dealing with the fallout from that, not just within their own families, but within their own churches. Right. And I think we may have some sound on that, but I have to tell you, it's an incredible film. It was a gradual process, but he really jumped on the bandwagon of, okay, I don't have to be gay. And he started reading books about reparative therapy. And he even asked us to take him to an Exodus conference. I actually have this really vivid memory of my parents and Ryan going to Exodus and it being this really good, amazing thing because everyone there was just so honest and vulnerable about their struggles. At the same time, that message was all bound up in having to disown any kind of same-sex desire. I might not be an abomination, but my sexual desires for people of the same sex, that is an abomination. And that if Ryan had enough good peer relationships with my dad, with other boys his age. He could get his emotional needs for male friendships met. 
So, so you've talked to you talked talk to, to the, Daniel Cars. I talked to um, Daniel Carslake, who is the director. He was on his way back from Berlin, where he now lives with right. his husband. Uh-huh. But he talked about wanting to make this film because, as he was living in Berlin, they moved there for work. As he mm. was living in Berlin, he started seeing on his news feed uh, and other places just vitriol coming out about 2015 and he's wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's living in Europe now. He's, you know, living a life, right. having a good time. But he began to correlate that with the passage of marriage equality. Right. And its affirmation by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to figure out what's going on with this. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the genesis of the new film. And he wound up as a part of telling this story of how there's been a tremendous amount of evangelical backlash against LGBT people. He spends a good bit of time in the film, though, talking about the trans community and how they now seem to be the one group that people feel very comfortable challenging attacking and how this group's story, this part of the community's story must be told Mm -hmm. and must be told by them and must be told by all who love them. So it's a very powerful film. He seems so irrational how mad he was at mom and dad. But I didn't know what was happening behind the scenes how confused he was. I didn't know how much self-loathing he felt. And I'm bad, and God doesn't love me. God doesn't love this. And Ryan's faith was really genuine. He was really silly and really playful. Did lots of like silly youth group things, but he also loved Bible study and took church really seriously. So, so that's that sounds great. That's one of one of many films that that, that will be screened there. Um, and yeah, this is probably one of the few chances you would have to see it in a theater. Uh, I'm sure that you know you'll be able to see it in in your own home at some point. But sometimes, uh, especially with films like that, uh, it's great to see it with other people. I think, and and so many films, you know, uh, that communal. Um, atmosphere and and the the seeing it with other people really that's a, it. and that's exactly right Shane there are moments and a couple of these films another is making sweet tea by e patrick johnson whom i haven't spoken with yet but a good bit of that film does take place here in atlanta mm-hmm. and in decatur georgia and it tells the story of the african american gay community mm-hmm. and there are moments there where yeah you can watch it You probably at some point could watch this on your phone. Right. But there really is something to be said seeing these lives, these big lives on a big screen. Mm -hmm. And as you said, being with other people and having someone to laugh with or having maybe someone to cry with or at the end having someone just to talk with. Yeah. And to download what you've just seen. Right. And then maybe go have a cocktail and talk more about it later. Of course. But as you said, we have so many films. There are documentaries. There are comedies. There are dramas. There are shorts. There's horror. But as you pointed out, 
this may be the only time that you get to see some of these films. A lot of them are not going to, I'd say the majority of them will not get wide distribution. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing that often you, you discover little unknown gems that, uh, you know, you'll go raving about to uh, all your friends and say, you've got to go see this and hope that they get a chance to, but luckily you do. Um, so yeah, the Out on Film Festival actually starts, I believe, on what's what's the date? On this that? will be this coming Thursday, which is the twenty sixth. Yep. So it starts September, then, and it runs for eleven eleven days. days. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of chances to see them, and and um, if you go to ajc.com, uh, we will have all of the details on all of this. Um, you'll be able to see what the ticket prices are. There are passes available. Um, individual screenings and things like that. You'll find all the venue information, directions, um, and you know we'll, we'll have all that stuff for you. Uh, Rosalind will be writing a story on it, so we'll have plenty of info there so you can read her interviews with some of these folks. Um, and she'll also, of course, uh, you can hear right now, we're going to take it over to her interview with Jim Farmer, who is the executive director of Out on Film. And we're back now with Jim Farmer, who I said he was the executive director of Out on Film, but he is the program director of Out on Film, which will open this Thursday. And we are so excited to have him here on the Access Atlanta podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. We have some great films to talk about and then Yay. just some overall to talk about, about the festival, because sure. I think our listeners just want to know exactly what they're going to be getting themselves into. All righty. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. So we talked, we've got a hundred and 26 films now. But back when the festival started, we certainly didn't have that many, right? Oh, wow. Back in 1987, when community activists such as Rebecca Ranson started putting it together, it was one or two films here and there. It may be one or two films over the weekend and then nothing for a few months. But it was really kind of lean back then. And it really just grew over time. By the early 90s, there were enough films and enough people working on it so that it could be a week-long festival. But yeah, it took a while to really lay the foundation and sort of build it up. And now we're up to, I mean, just last year wasn't it seven days. Now we're up to 11 days now. Well, we, we moved to eight days about six years ago. And mm-hmm. then for our 30th anniversary, we decided to get from eight days to 11. So we're still at 11, and at three venues right now. So it's definitely um, continuing to grow. This is awesome. This is awesome. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the films that we're going to be seeing, because you and I talked a little bit earlier, and you told me that it spans the gamut. You have documentary, you have drama, you have comedy. You even said there are a couple horror films. We have, yeah, it's, we have, we run the gamut. We have um, a lot of great narrative films, you know, dramas, comedies. We have you know, documentaries and documentaries are kind of a, a staple without on film. I mean, our audience loves documentaries and we love them as well. We have short films, a web series. And for the second consecutive year, we have a horror night where we have a, 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 a film for the ladies, a, a film for the men. And then we finish off uh, later that night with um, six horror short films. So it's, it's really exciting. It's exciting that we're able to incorporate all this into our lineup because, you know, 10 years ago, it was all, 
you know, coming of age stories, coming out stories, documentaries about AIDS, and maybe one or two other topics. But it was it, the, the topics weren't weren't nearly as as general back then. There's just so much to choose from these days. And what do you think that's due to that's this new breadth and expansion of LGBTQ stories on film? I think that people are you know are you know willing to you know tell their stories. And, and people like new voices. And it certainly has helped that uh, we've got more acceptance over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, there, there's more, you know, more LGBTQ content on TV. It, it always helps when you see a film like Love, Simon that connects uh, on, a, on a mainstream basis. And people say, oh, okay, I can make films like that. Because Hollywood is all about money. I mean, um, if, if something makes money, Somebody would do another one. If it doesn't make money, then ooh, people are afraid to. So it helps that there, you know, you can see there there are more, you know, LGBTQ voices. There are more, there are more ways to make films. There are more platforms. That there are more distributors. So I mean, it, it's just it's great to be able to have all these other voices that are out there that are making films and saying, "I'm here too," you know, and here's my voice and here's my story. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about some of the ones that you feel are emblematic of that new voice, emblematic of something a lot bigger than, well, not bigger than, that's not the right way to phrase that, but let's say a voice that's not the story that you might expect when coming to the festival. You know, something that we have always tried to do with Out on Film is to spread the world. I mean, I said this when I first started, if Out on Film was just going to be a festival for gay white men, you know, romantic comedies, then I had no interest because that's not the Atlanta that I know. I wanted to really tell everybody's stories, or try to tell as much as I can. So we have a lot more women's voices this year. It's nice to see that uh, we have um, we have 43 films directed by women, and that, that is so nice that we can say that. We have um, African-American films this year, you know, African-American voices, both men and women. Uh, we have transgender films and transgender voices, and it's just nice to see. It's nice to see... We, we have, you know, a combination of people who are making their feature debuts and people who've been working in the industry for 20 years. So it's just nice to have a, a pool of people to choose from in, in a variety of topics. And so let's talk about at least one of those. I mean, you know, you said documentaries are the staple. So you have two sorts of documentaries that uh, at least I got a chance to look at for They Know Not What They Do and then Queering the Script. Oh, two of my faves this year. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I I heard about For They Know Not What They Do before it even premiered at Tribeca. And I like, you know, reached out to the filmmaker and said, I really want to see this film. It sounds great. Because I, I was very familiar with this first film, For the Bible Tells Me So. So I saw the film. We all loved it. It was like, we have to show this film. And it, what we love about it, a, it's it's a tremendous film, but it just it tells so many stories, and it's so universal. It's it's about four LGBTQ kids dealing with their religious parents, and and you know how do you reconcile you know what your parents think, what the church says, with how you really want to proceed with your life, and it's just a remarkable film about how these families are able to to deal with it and eventually move on. Um, you know, some stories are happier than other, but for the most part, it's, it's very hopeful and very inspiring, and it's something everybody can relate to. Switching gears to Queering the Script, I, I am just, I, I'm so enamored with that film. Queering the Script is about fangirls who really, you know, 
watch Buffy and, and shows like that. Uh, Guilty as charged. I, I hear you. And, you know, the fan base. I mean, I, I never really realized the fan base. I mean, all the conventions, the Dragon Cons, the, the conventions like that people go to, you know, be around others. And, and there's a community of people who, who watch, you know, TV shows like this. They come together. They li- literally, you know, can't wait to see the next episode and really come together and, and talk about it and, and, and brings them together. They come to conventions like this and uh, they're family and they like hearing about that. And it's really important. Um, a lot of these voices that they see are queer voices. And one of the things that Queer in the Ship does really well is not just talking about fangirls and how they really love series like this, but how they're a force. Because um, there was a period, I think four years ago, where over a period of time there were a lot of lesbians on TV who, who got murdered and killed. If Lex's death had been just an individual case, it kind of would have been a flash in the dark and faded away. But what happened is we had several deaths. Within a few weeks, they just kept killing. Like they killed like this lesbian couple on the Vampire Diaries. They like shot an arrow into that girl's eyeball on The Walking Dead. Empire, they killed two lesbians in one episode. And then I think Husay was killed shortly thereafter. People started calling it the bloody spring of 2016. It was like, what is happening? And a lot of these fangirls said, enough, don't do this to us. You know, you can't keep killing us on TV. So they really rallied around. We went, they went to studios and sort of, you know, not, not, I'm not going to say put pressure on, but sort of said, this is who we are. We can have normal lives, too. Don't kill us all off. And it really had an impact. You know, producers started to really say, be more sensitive. So, oh, we can't just kill this character just to kill them. And really, I mean, it had an effect on Hollywood. And the film also has interviews with people like Angelica Ross, who talks about Pose, and she's a, she's a producer on this film. So it's just it's just remarkable. It's entertaining, but it's also it's just so so deep. It's one of my favorites this year. And then also for old school fans, it has a couple interviews with Lucy Lawless. Exactly from Xena. <laughs> it's like yeah. I mean, when when I've told people about that, they're like, okay, what time is the screening and where? You know, so it's like I mentioned Xena, Lucy Lawless, and they're like, okay, I was gonna be out of town. I was gonna get married that weekend, but no. <laughs> I'm coming to the movie. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about venue, because I think we have three venues. So we have, we have Plaza. Yeah, the Midtown Arts Cinema is our primary venue. That's been our primary venue for uh, well over 10 years. We have supplemental venues, which include Outfront Theater Company and the Plaza Theater. So we basically have the first eight days of our festival are at the Midtown Arts Cinema, and then the final three days are a combination of the Plaza and Outfront Theater Company. Got it. And so also, uh, can you talk to me a little bit uh, about the audience, as you said, because it's not just for the LGBTQ community. However, it does serve the community, um, kind of overserves the community, if you will. Yeah, I mean, our primary audience are people who identify as LGBTQ and allies. But more and more, we have people say, oh, I've heard about this movie. I really want to see it. I mean, we have films in our festival this year that are very mainstream. And that's what I love. We have films that are very independent, that are small and underground. And then we have films that are mainstream that will probably be in theaters, you know, three or four months. Before You Know It is a mainstream movie with Judith Light, Mandy Patinkin, Alec Baldwin. Uh, we're showing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a big film from that one um, – 
a couple of awards at the Cannes Film Festival. It's opening nationwide in December, and we're having a, the southeastern premiere of that. So yeah, and more and more people realize that you know you can go to out on film and just see great films. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be about your sexual orientation. You can go there and feel comfortable. And something else we pride ourselves on is that a lot of these films you can go and you can meet the director or the stars and just really hang out and get to know them and really learn more about their process and, and, and just do this all, you know, as part of a community, sit together and experience it. Because that's really one of the beauties of seeing something on the big screen is the sharing. Exactly. And, I, you know, some people from time to time say, well, you know, it'll be on Netflix eventually or I can see this, or that, but that's not the point. The point is you see these films together with your, with your community and you experience it, and you talk about it afterwards, and you hang out, and you get to know the director and the people in it, and you really share this experience. And it's an event. It's an experience that you can't get just from watching this on Netflix in six months or you know, on your iPhone or whatever device you have. And that's, that's what we're about. It, it is an experience to bring us all together and, and see ourselves on screen and realize that we're not alone. That's right. And not all those films are going to be available for you to see outside of a festival. No, I mean, you know, they're, 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 I'd say probably five, six of these films we're showing this year are eventually going to be in theaters. Um, I imagine a, another big chunk will eventually be on DVD, um, some sort of streaming devices. But some of these smaller films, I mean, um, you see them at festivals and they just disappear because they don't have enough money to get a distribution deal. Or some of the short films. I mean, we are big proponents of short films because short films play at film festivals and then you never see them again. You might find them every blue moon. There might be like a an anthology of short films, but so many of these short films that we show, uh, this is the only time you'll ever get a chance to see them. Right. Well, I think this kind of gives our folks something to look forward to because we're running up on the date, we are only, what, two days away now? We start on Thursday night, September the 26th at the Midtown Art Cinema at 7 o'clock with um, For They Know Not What They Do, and the director will be down, and we have some special guests from the film there as well. Well, Jim, thank you so much thank you for so being much. with us. Um, it's a lot of film to see it over is. 11 days. Get your uh, get ready, get your app, and get your program guide, and hopefully we'll see everybody out the next you know 11 days. Okay, and give us the website that people can go to www.outonfilm.org all right well thank you for being with us today thank you so much